You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Guys, can we just give one more shout out to Shira and her team and all of the... All of the amazing stuff they do, not just at camp, not just for BBS, but week in and week out. Um, man, I'm just going to tell you, ministry can be challenging at every level. And praise God that there are people to do children's ministry. People who aren't me to do children's ministry that are gifted for that, that have the patience for that. And I know my, my kids love it and are blessed um, by her ministry and all of you who... Who do that, and we thank you. Also, want to, uh, since it's celebrate Sunday, I want to celebrate a couple other people. Um, well, several, but um, our worship team is amazing, and um, and since April have have led and um, have led us well and in worship. And man, we just we have kind of an embarrassment of riches. Uh, in that arena, and we're we're so blessed by them and their gifts, and that they use them uh, to lead us and bless us, and they are second to none. And man, we love them. And um, also for a church that would allow our pastor to be on sabbatical, uh, to have a time of rejuvenation and refreshment, and to to gain clarity and vision, and just kick back and hang out with his cat. Apparently, so lots of pictures of that on Facebook. Um, I don't know, but but. To make that possible, we've we've been led um, from here by lots of great people, Mike and Kenny and Natalie and Whitney, and I'm certain I'm forgetting someone. Um, Jonathan, yes, man, I forgot Jonathan in the first service. How I'm embarrassed. I'm leaving. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Gosh, dang it. And Jonathan, and they've they've done a phenomenal job leading us and teaching us in the Word, and we're really grateful for for you guys' time and your commitment. And uh, but today you get me, so sorry. Um, if you'll open your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Judges chapter 2, um, because every great celebration Sunday starts with a uh, look in Judges. Um, so that's where we're going to be. If you don't uh, know me, if this is your first time here, uh, if you're joining us online for the first time, my name is Eric. I'm the student pastor. Um, I have the great privilege of leading our student ministry, um, along with some of the greatest people on earth and Kenny. And um, thank you. He's not here to hear that, but that's okay. We have pictures, too, um, and we'll publish those later. We don't, we're just limited time this morning. But we had a great week at camp. We went in June uh, to Engage Camp in Waxahachie, and we had a, we had a really great time. Um, one of the things that I don't love about camp sometimes is that, like, you get there, and it seems like what they're, what they're really focused on doing is, like, Whipping you into some emotional state to make you like walk up and sign a thing or say you made a decision or some, and some, some of that's legitimate for sure, but I'm cynical and so I've, I've seen a lot of that done well and poorly, um, for most of my life. And one of the, one of the great things about the camp we went to is that it wasn't that way. There was, there was a lot of time, a lot of great teaching from the word and time for us to discuss that and to explore it and to dive into it together. We had some really great conversations and we worked through some stuff, hopefully. Since then as well, excuse me. Um, and I'm just going to tell you, like, we have the best kids. And so, like, well done. 
because I'm not responsible for that. I'm not their parent. I've only been here two years. And we just have really great kids. And so, like, if, if your kids went with us, like, not only to that, but most of the places we go, as far as I know, they represented themselves well, they represented you well, and they represented this church well. And so we just, we had a good time. And one of the questions that we talked about was, <clears throat> what's in your life that doesn't need to be? As part of following Jesus, we have to work through some of that stuff. What's in your life that doesn't need to be? And a lot of times you get into a camp situation and they'll tell you what's in your life that doesn't need to be there. And they won't really let you work through it. But presented at the way it was presented where we were, it was just kind of work through it in your own estimation. What do you recognize in your own life that doesn't need to be there? And several weeks ago, we, we talked a little bit in here about going all in on the next generation. And so I think when we, when we talk about the sin that's in our lives that doesn't need to be there, we should also talk about what's missing that should be there that's good. So, judges. It's not really the right lead up to judges, but that's okay. Judges chapter 2. Now, if in the scriptures here, judges is, we're about to see the death of Joshua who took over leading Israel from Moses. And Moses didn't get to enter into the promised land. Remember that? They came to the promised land. They messed that up. They had to go back out for a little while, for a long while. They had to come back. And Moses did not get to enter in to the promised land. Joshua led the people into the promised land. And their task was to drive the, the, the people out of the land and to take over their inheritance. And chapter 1 tells us they didn't do that very well. And so in chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 6. It says, previously Joshua had sent the people away. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, verse, yeah, verse 6. I was right. Previously, Joshua sent the people away. The Israelites went, um, went back to the land, each to his own inheritance. The people worshiped the Lord through Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for Israel. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors, which means they died and were buried. After them, this is verse 10, after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done in Israel. Verse 7 tells us that Joshua and the elders who served alongside him and those who outlived him had seen all of the great works that the Lord had done. And verse 10 tells us that a generation rose up after them who did not know the Lord or the things he had done. How does that happen? Somebody failed. A lot of somebodies, it sounds like. There's a common theme in the book of Judges. There's a phrase that gets used over and over in a variety of ways. It says, each one did what was right in his own eyes. Sound familiar? How does a generation rise up without knowing the great things of the Lord just behind the generation that saw some of the greatest things that the Lord had ever done? 
How could they know unless they had been taught? Because not only did they not take possession of the land the way that they were commanded to, as we're told in Judges 1, they ignored what Jesus called the greatest commandment in the law. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 says, Listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. These words are to be written on your heart, talked about in your homes, and passed down to your children. Today's students are part of what's called Generation Z. And Generation Z is being described as the first generation that is post-Christian. I think that's optimistic. I'm not sure they're the first. Why? Because somebody failed. Because of us. And we want to pass the buck to the world around us. Because there's a lot of stuff in the world around us that affects us. That influences us and our children and our lives. But ultimately, it's on us. In fact, one of the things that drives me a little batty is that Christians for the past few generations seem more concerned with screaming about the sinfulness of the world around us than we are about preparing our children to go into it. It's a classic failure of trying to control the world around us instead of instead of preparing our kids to be to be ready for it. We can't. We can't control the world around us. If you've ever tried, you know that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, what business is it of mine to judge those who are outside of us? My concern is the sin inside the church, inside the body of Christ. And indeed, as parents and surrounding followers of Jesus, we should be more concerned with discipling our own children than we are with trying to control the world around us. I've said before in a lot of different contexts, we can not Protect our kids from everything that's out there. What we must do is prepare them to encounter it. And it seems, it seems like we're, we're really good at calling out the sin of the world and recognizing that while we tolerate and, and even celebrate the sin in our own children's lives. Why? Because we love them. If you love somebody, you won't let sin exist in their lives. Psalm 145, 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And my question is, are we doing that? And I won't go into a bunch of statistics... They're out there, but the reported faith 
of teenagers and young adults is rapidly in decline. Rapidly in decline. Why? Because we're not teaching. We're not raising our kids up. Now, we can teach them, and we can train them, and we can disciple them, and some will still walk away from the faith. That is true. That is true. But the reasons, when surveyed, the reasons that students and young adults walk away from the faith when they get outside the home, that's not even to speak of those who never have followed Christ, but those who have and walk away, the reasons that they give are foundational issues that they don't know. That they're unfamiliar with. Because we're not teaching our kids. We're not discipling them. That starts in the home. The primary place where your children are discipled is in your home under your roof. We are here to partner with you in that. Brandon Manning said, you might be familiar with this quote, if you're my age, you heard this quote in a DC Talk song. If you're younger than me, you may not know who DC Talk is, and that's okay. Um, But Brandon Manning said, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. And that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. As the scriptures say. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. For this reason alone, I think that the statistics are actually probably worse than they're being reported. Because there's still wide swaths of people who will say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in God. I believe in cool Jesus. And they'll say that when asked. But we'll all say a lot of things when asked. I think it's actually more dire than we think. And for a lot of us, we think that the solution to this is in Washington. (laughs) Bang up job so far, right? It's not. It's in your home, around your dinner table. That's where discipleship happens. That's where we raise up our children. We're here to partner with you. But bring bring in... my kids to church once a week does not necessarily a disciple make. Is it beneficial? Yes. Do we love doing it? Absolutely. But we're responsible for our children. You're responsible for your children. I'm responsible for my children. I'm also responsible for a lot of your children, which is scary. It should be scary to you, I think. Um, but yeah, good. And so... When I said earlier, in a minute, like, we have the best kids. I've been a lot of places. And guys, I'm just going to tell you, don't tell anybody I said this, but some kids are idiots. Right? Or they act like it anyway. And we've got really great kids with truckloads of giftedness and potential. And we've got to harness that. We've got to disciple our children. Or a generation will rise up that does not know the Lord and what he's done. 
We're in the middle of it right now. This is Celebration Sunday. It's real celebratory, isn't it? Because here's the thing, guys. We have a great children's ministry. And tons of you are a part of that. And you give your time and your energy and your love to our kids. And we are grateful. And we have great students. And a lot of you give your time and your effort and your energy to minister to those students. And we are grateful. But church, I am here to tell you we need you. Not just at home, but here also. Because Shira, I don't know if you've ever run a children's ministry, Carrie. It's tough, isn't it? It's just tough. The logistics alone are mind-boggling. And Shira's so organized. I'm sure you were too, but I came in at the tail end of your ministry, so I can't speak to you, but... She's like, and so gracious and patient. And I grew up, I want to be like Shira. Maybe someday. But when, when our children look at our lives, I'm going to tell you, your kids are smart. Okay? Your kids are smart. Now, they may act like dum-dums sometimes. But your kids are smart. And they're certainly smart enough to watch the way you live and to hear you say to them that, This is important, and to never see you read it. To hear you say that Jesus is important, and to never talk about him with you. To hear you say that prayer is vital, and to never pray with you. They see and hear these things. It doesn't matter what you say. What you do... Is your testimony. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There's a lot of stats out there that say that for teenagers especially and young adults, that a pastor in a pulpit, a youth minister, an adult leader or whatever may never punch through and... and and get through to somebody. But what does is a testimony of their peers. How do they learn? How will they know? If we don't teach them. Can it happen? Sure. Are the odds great? So what we're asking, when we ask you for help in doing student ministry and children's ministry, it's not to fill out a spreadsheet. It's not to, it's not to click a quota. It's to involve ourselves to invest in the lives of these students and these children. Because you matter. And you may not think that you're qualified. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to set your mind at ease right now. You're not. Is that encouraging? It should be. Thank you. Elliot's got my back. And a person who walks in the room and says that they are qualified makes me raise my eyebrow. Show me you're qualified. 
Let me see it in your life. Maybe you're just started out in your walk. That's okay. Maybe you've never had kids. That's okay. Maybe you have kids that have long gone from your home and have their own kids. That's fine too. And like I said earlier, hey, children's ministry, not for everybody. You don't want me up there. It's not going to be good. Student ministry, not for everybody. That's okay. And this is not a guilt trip. I don't do guilt trips. But we need your help. As a church, as families, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need us all. Because it takes all kinds from all walks of life. Some people have crazy testimonies. Some people have really boring testimonies. And you know what? I find both awesome. I do. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have some sensational story for your testimony to be powerful. Because what makes your testimony powerful? Jesus. What Jesus has done in your life, no matter where you're at or what you've done or what you've been through. Wherever you're at, no matter how old you are, we need your help. So I'm asking. On my behalf, on Shira's behalf. We need help. It's not a guilt trip. We're not going to come knocking on your door and be like, hey, did you hear what I said? Did you sign up yet? Hey, I saw you leaving. Did you sign up? It's not going to be like that. But sometimes God prompts us a little bit, and we have, we're really good at talking ourselves out of things. We're just really good at talking ourselves out of things. Mm, I'm not going to do that. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe God will give me a sign. Yeah, that was it. Just listen. Just pay attention. Right? It's fine. You don't have to do it every week. It doesn't have to be something you do every day. The next generation matters. The one after that matters. And some of us might have just been sitting there thinking, hey, we're not just in the generation coming up that doesn't know the Lord. We might have been the generation that came up that didn't know the Lord. But we can fix it. We can fix it. In Acts, Peter and John are arrested. And they're taken before the Sanhedrin. It's a really fascinating story. (laughs) They basically tell Peter and John, hey, guys, listen. All this resurrection stuff, we can't, like, disprove what you're saying, but we're going to need you to stop. If you could, please. And Peter, who's fresh off, pretty fresh off the denial of Jesus, three times in the, you know, before the rooster crowed, all that stuff. Peter's had a rough couple of weeks following the death and resurrection of Jesus. Peter stands in front of this, the powers that be, and says, hey, I'm going to tell you what. You do what you need to. But I cannot stop talking about what I have seen and heard. And my fear is, we can't teach the generation that's coming up what we've seen and heard because we're not looking and we're not listening. And so my encouragement to you is to do that. It's not meant to be a downer. It's just facts. You, you look around you at society. 
There's a generation in our midst that does not know who God is. They do not know what Jesus can do. So let's teach them. All of us. Together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, it is so good to be a part of a church that cares about its children and its students. God, lead us to do that well. Lead us to not be satisfied with the way things are. Father, raise up a generation that seeks your face. A generation that's not defined by the culture around it. But a generation of young men and young women who change the world around them because of what you have done in our lives through Christ. But we can't do that. We can't manufacture that. We know that. We know we're not perfect. We can't fake our way into that. So God, we ask that you lead us. You teach us that we can teach each other, that we can teach our kids to know who you are. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.